Well, Eagles Nation, the Super Bowl is now in the books. We're going to talk a little bit about that, of course. And the Philadelphia Eagles' critical offseason has begun. We'll talk about it next on Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. Whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this program, welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And before we get started here, a couple things off the top uh, that I wanted to kind of uh, just get off my chest and make sure I don't forget about. One, uh, special thanks again for Matt joining us in the last podcast where we uh, kind of gave you a preview of the Super Bowl and thoughts on uh, how the season ended with Matt, you know, to bring him on and get his thoughts Uh he will continue to be a good uh, friend of the podcast and an important contributor going forward. And, uh, and I mentioned also how I am uh, migrating the podcast over to YouTube. That does not mean, just to be clear, that it's going to be uh, leaving the uh, platforms that it's currently on. You know, So whatever one that you're currently listening to this program on, uh, it's not like it's going to be removed from there. So, um, you know, no, no worries about that. Certainly... Uh, appreciate you listening. Um, now, this is just another uh, means and another channel in you know to get the program out there. And you know, once I do migrate it over to YouTube, at least initially, it is just going to be audio format. And then the plan going forward at some point is to get my beautiful mug on the screen, which I'm sure uh, you all are anticipating. Uh, and I say that with. Uh, um, <laughs> total sarcasm. Um, but you know, I think that's the next step for, uh, this program. And that'll also allow me to do what I've been really wanting to do. And, you know, once I'm able to, you know, record some of these live, you know, uh, they'll be live on YouTube and they'll be later posted on pot on the uh, podcast networks. That's how I hope it's going to work. And, um, we'll see. Because I'm still trying to iron out some of these wrinkles, because YouTube is just not making it easy to make this uh, make this merger. It's just a lot of complications from a technical standpoint that I'm that I'm dealing with. Um, but what that means for you is, once I do get this over to YouTube, um, and you can start subscribing now, even though there's no content on there at the moment. But the uh, the channel is Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff with the W slash. Jeff, just like it is listed on your podcast, exactly the same. So you can go into YouTube, uh, type that in there uh, under search channel or whatever, find me and uh, make sure you subscribe so that once I launch it, you guys are ready to rock and roll with me. So uh, put that plug out there. Um, yeah, so pretty excited about that for sure, because, again, what I've been trying to say and I haven't done so yet is that once I am on YouTube, then we're going to have at least live chat where you guys would be able to engage with me while I am recording the podcast, while I'm live, uh, you know, through the YouTube uh, chat and um, 
and at that point I'll be able to answer your questions live, see your comments live, be able to, um, you know, uh, respond to some of the comments that I see, you know, if there's any uh, discussion going on, I want to add my two cents, that type of thing. I think it's a pretty excited uh, next phase to go into. So definitely excited for that. So, all right. Now, so much to really talk about. I mean, we had the Super Bowl, obviously. And, you know, I pretty much nailed the score. I said it was going to be 27 to 24, 49ers. Ended up being 25 to 22 Chiefs. So the Chiefs get the job done. I was happy about that. I was rooting for the Chiefs, as I mentioned. I did think, and I still think, that the 49ers are the better team. I mean, that whole first half, they almost completely dominated the game. And because of that, and how close the game was, and how the 49ers were just not able to capitalize and score, uh, the, the longer the game went on, I was like, the Chiefs going to win. You keep Mahomes and Reed around, they're going to find out a way to win this game. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the 49ers, that game was just one-sided as a game could get in the first quarter and into the second quarter before the Chiefs finally started to stabilize some things. But, man, I mean, the 49ers just couldn't get any points. They just were not. I mean, you got to give the Chiefs defense some credit for keeping them in the game. But, man, they, they have just kept shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again uh, in the uh, first, um, you know, first half especially. You know, second half, I think the Chiefs really started to uh, play much better. Uh, especially offensively. But the 49ers, I, I, again, I, I swear hand in the air, man, they're the better team. But the better team doesn't always win. They didn't win last year either. The Eagles were better than the than the Chiefs last year. Um, but, you know, the big fumble that gave them seven points, which I, as soon as it happened, I'm like, that's going to be the difference in the game. I just knew it. I just freaking knew it. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, what happened at the end of the game with the, with the flag and, you know, but the Eagles were better last year. The Chiefs won, and I, I think the 49ers are a better team, but the Chiefs won. And you got to give the Chiefs credit because, like I said, um, as much as they were dominated, they never got they never got down, they never got out, they kept fighting. Um, and, uh, and then Mahomes, just like I said, I said if it's hard to go against Mahomes, and this is the reason. It's the reason why I said it because you just knew in this game, late in the game or in overtime or whatever it was, Mahomes would figure out how to win, and that's exactly what happened. So the guy is just uh, an amazing player, and, uh, you know, I uh, I have much respect for Mahomes, and uh, and I have a lot of respect for Andy Reid. Um, I've always said that, even when I wanted him fired back in the, uh, in the Eagles days. I wanted him fired far sooner than he was with the Eagles. I've talked about this at times during my podcast, so those of you who've been with me, you understand and uh, when I understand, but I mean, you, you may not understand, meaning you agree with me, but uh, I've given my reasons why I wanted Reed fired um, probably about four or five years before he actually finally was in Philly. Um, uh, but, but none of that was because I didn't think he was a good coach, um, which probably doesn't make much sense to you and sounds contradictory. But uh, I just, you know, some of his flaws that he had in Philly were just so frustrating. I just wanted him the heck out of here. And I always said he was a good game caller for the most part which you know is good and he was pretty good at drafting and he was good at you know obviously surrounding the team with good coaching overall for the most part you know 
a lot of people came from the coaching tree. Spagnola, uh, McDermott, um, were there were the uh, Bills, um, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, of course, with the Ravens, and a slew of others, right? Um, and, you know, but I had major issues with those game management. The fact that he never gave McNabb any wide receivers during his prime years, just expected him to do everything on his own, you know, and, and perform miracles at the quarterback with, with hardly any weapons, if any weapons at all, at wide receiver. Uh, until he finally got him to and you know of course they went to the Super Bowl and I'm like yeah he could have done that five years sooner uh, but they he gave McNabb absolutely garbage and I just always held it against him he was the GM as well as the coach and and he just never gave McNabb any wide receivers ever and it went to, but he learned he learned from it he got it he was a better coach much better coach now in Kansas City than he was in Philadelphia and uh, even though he was successful in Philadelphia no doubt but uh, you know. Uh, I know a lot of McNabb haters love to point the finger and blame McNabb for their failures in the NFC Championships games, and uh, I point the finger at Reed. I mean, Reed, again, didn't get McNabb with weapons. Once you get as good as McNabb was, once you start playing those really elite teams and you get down to the Final Four, you need weapons. Eventually, it's going to come up and haunt you, and that's what happened because McNabb had nobody to throw. Nobody. And yet the uh, McNabb haters uh, who just, you know, are blinded by their own hatred and they're just purely ignorant about the sport of football. Um, they, uh, they, they just, they blame, uh, they blame McNabb, which is um, not thinking straight. Clearly it's just not, it's just not plain and simple. It's just not, um, it's the easy default guy to always point the quarterback, but who is he throwing to? Who is he throwing to? Nobody. And and uh, getting back to Reed, game management issues plagued his Eagles coaching career. Um, not getting the plays in in time, having to call timeouts in the first quarter uh, that he would need at the end of this first half. Same thing in the third and second half. He would call timeouts in the third quarter and have none in the, when they needed it at the end of the game in those critical uh, games. Um, all the time it happened. It happened over and over and over again. For anyone that uh, uh, lived through the Andy Reid years, know this. Um, but, uh, you know, McNabb's always the fall guy to the ones that uh, just can't get over the, the hatred of him. Um, so they have no credibility. I've said this many, many times. Um, not that McNabb always out, you know, played great. I'm not saying that, but give the, I mean, give the, put, put my homes in those offenses um, with McNabb. Give him uh, Todd Pinkston and Hank Basket and Nate Brown and, uh, you know, these other guys that they had. They didn't even have nearly as good of a tight end. Chad Lewis, who was just a kind of an average uh, tight end, not Travis Kelsey, right? See what Mahomes can do with those guys. Think he's going to win Super Bowls? I don't know. We'll never know that, but I'll tell you this. It'll be a lot harder for him to do it. Um, so, but this is about Reed. It's not about McNabb, but it's hard to talk about Reed without mentioning McNabb. Uh, especially since the, you know, 5% of fans out there, which might even be higher than 5%. There's so many clueless McNabb haters that are in our fan base. It's just 
so frustrating. Um, but it is what it is. They won't go away. They're just, you know, you figure as time goes on that eventually that they would smarten up, figure things out. But no, there's uh, there's some of them are just as dumb as they are today than they were back then. Um, but uh, Andy Reid is now approaching the pinnacle of all time head coaches as he wins another Super Bowl. And, you know, again, I like Andy Reid, and I was rooting for him. It's good to see he's a good guy, good coach, and now he's becoming just one of the all-time great coaches. Unfortunately, it didn't happen here. Um, and then when people ask me, you know, are you, uh, you know, do you think it was a mistake getting rid of Andy Reid? No, absolutely not. I'm not going to be a hypocrite now and, and look back and say, uh, you know, that I'm – you know, regret that the Eagles let him go. No, I wanted him gone many years before he Larry finally pulled the plug out. I wanted him gone. So I'm not going to, you know, be a hypocrite now and say, I wish they kept him. Uh, Reed just needed to learn. And unfortunately he learned from his mistakes while he was the Eagles coach. What's the first thing he did? And I've mentioned this before when he got Mahomes, surrounded him with talent. Some of the best talent in the NFL, Travis Kelsey, the best, maybe the best tight end of all time. He's going to be able to make that argument for sure. Uh, Tyreek Hill, one of the most um, dynamic playmakers in the NFL history, a wide receiver. Um, he's he's he, he quickly gave him great talent at uh, at wide receiver. He had uh, the other guy there that used to be with the um, Watkins. Sammy Watkins uh, was there with uh, Mahomes early on. Um, so congratulations to the Chiefs and the Chiefs fans out there to listen. Congratulations to Andy Reid, our former head coach. Congratulations to uh, Pat Mahomes, who is uh, quickly um, becoming another, becoming an all-time great himself. And congratulations to Travis Kelsey, Jason's brother, for um, – probably having one of the greatest lives in the world right now, winning his back-to-back Super Bowl championships. And even though I'm not a fan of Taylor Reed, I'm just, I couldn't even, Taylor Reed, uh, Taylor Swift, I couldn't even name one song, honestly. And it's not my kind of music. I know I've always known who she was because she's so in, you know, mainstream and pop culture, but I never, I swear to God, I couldn't name you one Taylor Swift song. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I can't name one. If somebody played one in the background, I wouldn't say, Hey, that's Taylor Swift. I wouldn't know. That's that's how little I know about her music. Um, I know it's not good because if it was good or music that I listen to, maybe I shouldn't say good. Obviously, it's good because she's wildly successful. But if it was music that I did like, I would have certainly known uh, about her music. So I just know I don't like her music, you know. Um, and, but I mean she's an icon and, and the guy is uh, dating her and just won back-to-back uh, Super Bowls. Is there a better life out there than that? Unbelievable. Really? Um, so let's dig into the game a little bit. And then we're going to talk about the Eagles because there's some pretty interesting news developments this week. So, I talked about the 49ers and how they completely dominated, especially the first half, and how they just kept making mistakes after mistakes and unable to capitalize on their dominance. 
I mean, it, they could have been up 17 to nothing uh, by the end of the first quarter or into the second quarter. That's how much they were easily dominating the Chiefs. They really, really were, for those of you who watched the game, which I'm assuming most of you, if not all of you had, did. Um, I talked about the importance of the uh, special teams, and I have to eat some crow. Listen, I always feel that I know what I'm talking about on here. <laughs> I, you know, and most of the time, uh, because I've got it, you know, I record this and it's in the archives forever. I could always go back and say, look, this is what I said. This is my prediction. This is how it went. Let's go back to episode whatever, and uh, you can listen to it for yourself. And a lot of times I hit on a lot of a lot of my predictions, a lot of my thoughts uh, end up coming true or are pretty accurate or mostly accurate at least. Um, but I was way off, way off on one of my predictions, and I was talking about the uh, 49ers kicker who – now, it was coming from a good place because I've seen the guy miss – a lot of kicks this season. I mean, a lot of kicks. And I'm trying to remember his name now. Is it Moody or Moore or something like that? I forget what his name was. Anyway, he came up with uh, some huge kicks. And in fact, for a short period of time, he had kicked the longest field goal in Super Bowl history until uh, Buckner uh, outkicked it by a few yards later in the game. Not too later either, like 10 minutes later, it seemed. Um, but uh, he came through with some big-time field goals. Now, he did miss the extra point that was blocked, so I don't know if you blame the kicker necessarily on that, or you just give Kansas City credit for getting a hand on it. Now, the uh, Chiefs were talking about how they noticed on tape that a lot of his kicks are low and that they had a chance to get to one of them, they thought, and uh, they did. It ended up being a crucial missed extra point that they blocked. But... Uh, for the most part, that guy came through big time. And uh, I said that was going to be a huge advantage for the Chiefs uh, with their special teams uh, because of the San Francisco kicker not being good at all. In fact, I think I might have said that he sucks. And uh, he clearly did not suck in that game. So uh, I have to eat uh, eat crow on that prediction. I was, I was wrong. Even though, like I said, I saw him during the season miss some pretty uh, not even long kicks. So I just felt that the advantage was there, but the guy the guy came to play and uh, made some really big-time kicks, long kicks too, long field goals that he hit, two of them, over 50 yards. So um, congratulations to that guy. He definitely uh, made me uh, sound like an idiot. So good job by him, and Buckner did his job. I mean, Buckner was Buckner. Uh, the guy that I was saying was, uh, you know, decided advantage. He wasn't an advantage, but he certainly, uh, you know, uh, did what he's what you expect him to do. Uh, and then the two punters, you know, let's give them credit. I mean, those guys were punting inside the 10-yard line, launching these 55, 60-plus-yard punts back and forth. That was impressive to see. I mean, the game for the first half, I mean, nobody's going to sit there and rant and rave that it was a, this exciting back-and-forth game. And, you know, it was not um, – I mean, I always appreciate good defense, and I don't need to see shootouts all the time. Uh, and that's what we got, certainly, in the first half. But it was not even really, like, good defense. It was just a lot of, especially by the 49ers, just shooting themselves in the foot, making mistakes, and not being able to capitalize on the on the, uh, on the the dominance. They were just absolutely dominating defensively and offensively, the Chiefs, but just weren't able to get it done in the end zone. And McCaffrey, who never fumbles the ball, fumbles the ball early, 
you know, turns it over in a big spot. Um, and uh, they had a couple of critical drops and some penalties that kept putting him back. And, and uh, you know, that was um, that was really the story of the first half, just the 49ers dominating but not putting points on the board. Uh, I thought for the 49ers that Purdy played well. I thought that he would. I, I mentioned on my pregame Super Bowl podcast with Matt that uh, I thought Purdy um, is – is a good quarterback. You know, he gets a lot of uh, grief out there from some aspects of uh, NFL fan fandoms or fan bases that uh, he's just a systems quarterback and he's not really that good. No, I mean, I think Purdy's very, very good. I think he's a very good quarterback and he played well. And under the big lights, which I expected him, I said, I don't think he's going to be intimidated by this game. Uh, he just seems to have that confidence to me. I think he's even a little cocky. I mentioned but he's got that – certainly he's got that confidence. He was not rattled at all. I thought he played very well. Uh, he played like I expected him to be, and that was that was well. Um, you know, he didn't make any mistakes. I don't think he – did he throw a pick? I think he threw one pick, right? He did throw one pick, I believe. I don't have the game stats, and we're a couple days removed from the game now, but uh, I think he might have threw one pick, if I remember. Um but uh, otherwise, you know, he did play pretty well. He had some big drops. Like I said, he had guys open uh, that dropped the ball. He did have one play. I remember that the guy was open and he did short pass it. That was the only throw that uh, that I saw that, you know, he needed to make and he did not. And I can't remember who was cutting across. Might have been Ayuk. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember now. Who uh, he had. Uh, they were inside of the red zone, too, and he was cutting across. And uh, Purdy um, threw it short. You know, and it was, I think he was on uh, either third or fourth down, um, which would have easily been a first down and set him up for like first and goal. But did it happen? That was the only really bad throw that I saw him make. Um, one of the other things, I mean, you talk about a guy that, uh, and I was rooting against 49ers. Again, I, I did pick him to win in a close game, but, um, but I was rooting for the Chiefs. You know, I said that. I don't like the 49ers at all. I can't. You know, the Eagles and 49ers, as we know, have a developing rivalry going. And I don't like their uh, – I definitely don't like their fans. Uh, I do not like the 49ers fans at all. And I don't like some of their players, uh, even though I respect them. And one of them is Greenlaw. I think uh, Greenlaw is a really, really good linebacker. But he's he's the one that was starting all that crap last year in, in, against the Eagles. He was – Remember he got it. Uh, he got in a fight there and on the field, and he was um, just—he's just a guy that just is an agitator out there. But he's a good player, very, very good linebacker. Um, teamed up with Warner there um, for the uh, 49ers. and it's got to be tough when you—you know—you you, you dream about playing in the Super Bowl, and here's a guy who's on the sidelines, just ready to go in uh, in a change of possession. You know, he's standing next to Warner, Fred Warner, on the sideline, and they're about to, to go into the game after a punt or kickoff or whatever it was. And uh, and he – I don't know if, if the news has come out that he's torn it or not, but he certainly sustained a major injury to his Achilles. And, um, and he was out for the game just from standing on the sidelines. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. It just tells you how easy it is to, you know, to have a major injury. You don't need to be playing. We always see that with ACLs, right? Just guys running a normal route, making a cut, and their knee goes out, right? You've seen that all the time. You can tear your ACL just by walking, really. If you hit a, 
you know, you step on a stone the wrong way and your knee gives out, you can tear your ACL. It's all a matter of, you know, if the perfect weight of your knee is going with the amount of weight and pressure on it, it can snap. And it kind of happened with him with his Achilles, which is, which is super rare. But he was pushing off, you know, to go start running to go into the game and his ACL popped. I mean, not his ACL, sorry, his, um, uh, his Achilles tendon. And, uh, again, I haven't heard if it's torn or not, but it was certainly enough to immediately have it ruled out of the game. I mean, it's just – that's that's tough to see, you know, because you know these guys. you got to feel for a guy like that who's, you know, he's played his entire career and uh, for this game, and then he ends up getting hurt on a non-contact play just by simply running into – running onto the field. Unbelievable. Uh, so he was missing. So that was a key injury that the 49ers lost. Um. And, you know, talking about the Chiefs now, we talked about Mahomes, and, you know, here's a guy who's becoming an immortal quickly. At the age of 28, uh, he has been in four Super Bowls now and has won three of them at 28 years old, which is hard to believe. Um, so the guy just doesn't make mistakes. He did actually throw a pick in this one. But uh, when the game's on the line, the guy just he's works his magic, you know. He did it against the Eagles last year. We saw it. He did it against us. Made the plays we needed to. And yeah, he did it in overtime to beat the 49ers. And the Chiefs got a special one there for sure in Mahomes. Um, he's been in the AFC Championship game. In, excuse me. God, I can't speak. Bow, bow, bow. <sighs> I'll be okay. He's been in the AFC Championship game every single season of his, of his career. Which, if that doesn't impress you, I don't know what will. Three Super Bowls and four attempts talked about. He has come from behind in all three of his Super Bowl wins. Of course, one of them, unfortunately, was against the Eagles. The other guy that really stood out to me was uh, McDuffie. Um, and I remember the Eagles were high in him, or at least there was rumors in that draft that year. That was the year I believe they drafted Devontae Smith when McDuffie was in that draft, I believe. But McDuffie is one hell of a player. As I watch him, uh, he made some big-time plays in this game, you know, batting a ball away downfield, one-on-one with a wide receiver. Uh, he's just a guy that makes really good plays. He's a good tackler. I know he had one inter- um, penalty that uh, was costly in the game and think in the second half, but, but overall that McDuffie is one hell of a player. And his chief's defense is the strength of the team. It's not their offense. And they have, from what I heard, the youngest defense by age in the NFL. So think about that. Think about that. So they won two straight Super Bowls, right? And they have the youngest defense in the NFL right now. Now they got to do something with uh, Chris Jones, their talented defensive uh, tackle. Uh, he's going to be uh, a lot of money. But I think I heard someone say that the Chiefs are like $20 million under the cap going into next year. So it, it appears that they would be able to afford him and bring him back. But uh, he's probably going to test free agency and see what's out there, and he's going to get a hefty offer from somebody. But we'll see if the Chiefs bring him back or not. That would be a big loss for them, certainly. Uh, but I saw that number 96 guy. I kept talking about number 96 in that game. Forget his name. But you guys were watching the game. He's bigger than Jones. That guy is huge. 
and he was making some plays. I forget his name now. Um, I probably should have looked it up, but um, my point is they had some other beefy, big-time, run-stuffing uh, defensive tackle on the Chiefs right now, right now playing. Uh, even if they lose Jones, I'm sure he'd be uh, having a bigger role in the defense. But uh, Chiefs aren't going anywhere, folks. I mean, that team and Mahomes, they're going to be good for a long time. I mean, this is uh, using the word dynasty now, throwing it around, talking about the uh, the Chiefs, and you certainly can. I mean, they've been to you know the, NFC, the AFC Championship game several years in a row now. They've won three Super Bowls now, back-to-back. First team to do that since the Patriots. I hate to keep saying it, but against the Eagles back in uh, 2003, 2004, they won back-to-back Super Bowls. Even though they cheated in theirs with us with the Spygate stuff. Got to bring that up. Got to bring it up. Sorry, got to bring it up. Not sorry to bring it up. Talked about Andy Reid. Um, here's an interesting part of the game, and I want to know if any of you caught this, but the game-winning touchdown by Nicole Hardman, who, by the way, started the season with the Jets. I mean, how happy is this guy to have the season turn out to – way it did uh ended up back with the chiefs he was originally drafted by the chiefs so he ends up uh, back with the chiefs and ends up winning the, catching a game winning touchdown on a play by the way did that look a little familiar to you guys look a little familiar the exact same uh play that beat the eagles twice on the left side and then the right side same exact play and I think they call it, I don't know if I wrote it down. Yeah, it's called the Corn Dog. That was the play. That was the play to beat the Eagles. Remember those two wide open plays? The one to the left scored an easy touchdown. And then the one to the right scored an easy touchdown. The Corn Dog. Same exact call. Nico Hardman ran it this time. Wide open. Touchdown. Andy Reid. Beautiful play call. Perfectly executed by Mahomes. And Nicole Hardman, game over. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And what else about that play is important, or did you notice? He was in motion. He was in motion. Something the Eagles did not do. And something I expect in the new Kellen Moore offense that we're going to have motion on this offense. Motion helps. And the Eagles. Hardly, rarely, last in the league in running motion on offense. Another reason why their offense was just spinning its wheels, going nowhere in a lot of cases, especially second half of the season. Got to use motion. And uh, that was a perfect example of it. Nicole Hardman starting to run across on the inside, quickly cut back to the outside. The guy completely lost his leverage. It was covering him, wide open, inside of five yards, touchdown. It's a great play call. Great play call. And congratulations again to the Chiefs. Uh, I'm glad they beat the 49ers. I can't stand that team. Uh, I do think the 49ers are a better team. I still, I'll still hold to that. I think they proved it most of the game in their dominant fashion. They really were dominating the game. But you got to put points on the board, and you can't let Mahomes hang around. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why they lost the game. So, all right. Um, 
Eagles news. Took me a half hour to get to it, but here we go. The day of the Super Bowl, we get the breaking news that Hassan Riddick was given permission to seek a trade. And that one really hit me hard. Because that's not something I first saw, would have thought was even in the realm of possibility of happening. And yet, here we are. And, you know, the initial word was that Hassan requested this permission from the Eagles and they granted it. And Hassan Riddick came out today and denied that, saying, no, I did not. I have not asked for a trade. So um, so this means that the Eagles are the ones initiating this move. Now, this does not mean that Riddick will not be in the team next year. Um, the Eagles are kind of in a quandary here as far as what to do with Riddick. He's on the last year of his three-year deal that he signed with the Eagles. If you look at his contract compared to others with like stats, which he's a top five, you know, pass rusher in the NFL. He's hit double digits both of his first, you know, his first two years with the Eagles, and I think three or four straight years in the NFL. I mean, he's a premier pass rusher. They're hard to find, and they're always paid well. He's been underpaid. He's only making 15, 16 million a year, which a lot of money to you and me, but uh, to him versus his uh, uh, you know peers amongst his peers uh, he's underpaid and the Eagles got to pay him if they're gonna keep him and he's gonna get 10 million more than he's making now you're looking at 25 million plus to keep him here that's what he's earned that's what he deserves when you look at the uh, you know, the comparisons, the comps, you know, the comps with his, uh, with like players that have this type of sack production in the league and tackles for loss and everything that he does. So you know, the Eagles willing to pay a guy who's going to turn 30, $25 million a season. That's the question because they're paying their $50 million quarterback. Okay. Don't think that's a factor. Don't think that's not a factor, I should say. It's a huge factor. They also have to re-up two important cogs here in their team. Devontae Smith, they're going to have to lock him up. And Landon Dickinson, their talented guard, who's going to demand a lot of money. He's made the Pro Bowl twice in his young career already. So, He's not going to be cheap either. So there's only so much you can throw around in terms of a salary cap situation. So where are you going to put the money? That's the decision Eagles got to make. Now, if they do end up trading Redick, it's going to be a huge loss in his defense. I mean, he is their number one by far pass rusher. And the Eagles have always valued that position. That's why this is a quandary. There's no doubt that the Eagles don't want to get rid of Redick. They don't want to. I'm sure they don't want to. He does what they need, and that's get to the quarterback. He's one of the few that are very, very good and excel at it in the entire NFL. But it's going to come at a 30-year-old player 
making $25 million a season. Are the Eagles willing to do that? I can see why it's a quandary. I personally can see why this is an issue. Um, now, he keeps himself in really good shape. He's not your bona fide, usual, larger uh, sack artist. You know, he's uh, a smaller guy, so you'd think he'd be a little more um, less prone to injury and breaking down quicker. You know, as, as he's probably got a good, I guess what I'm saying is he's probably got a good three years left in him at least. I would say three. Now, much like the entire Eagles, the whole second half of the season, his numbers went down. He had a good spurt from about game three on where he was he was the Redick we know, and that's when he got most of his 11 sacks. But I think part of it was once they made that stupid move at defensive coordinator, they were dropping Redick into, uh, into coverage quite a bit, which is not something you do with a guy like that. That was just dumb. And so he got caught up in all the transitioning going on with the Eagles' debacle in defense. So I don't know if that collapse would be because, you know, he's approaching 30. I think that probably has more to do with this defensive uh, mess that they created second half of the season. But $25 million is a lot of dough. So now Reddick, I'm sure, wants to stay here. I mean, he kind of, again, came out today saying he didn't request a trade. But he's going to have to give the Eagles a hometown discount, I think, to stick here. If if he's okay with $20 million a year, year, you know, or 21 maybe, he's okay with that, another maybe three-year deal at $21 million a season, I think the Eagles keep him here. If he's going to go out there and demand that he makes 25 or more, then I think the Eagles will, uh, will try to move him. Well, they actually are trying to move him right now. So maybe that is what he is, even though he hasn't uh, – you know, he hasn't personally asked the Eagles to make a trade. Maybe he has told the Eagles that, hey, yeah, I'm looking to get $25 million or more. And that's why the Eagles said, okay, um, we're not willing to pay that right now, so perhaps uh, you can go and see if you can, uh, you know, find a team that will pay you that, and we'll see if we can make a trade uh, with them. So that's what's going on. It doesn't mean that he's going to be gone. It does mean that there's a possibility that he may be gone next year. That is for sure. Um but uh, he is under contract for another year. So, you know, if the Eagles are not able to make a move with another team, he will be playing here next year. Uh, but it will certainly be his last year at that point to become a free agent afterwards. Or the Eagles will, you know, if they get some really good compensation, you know, a team offers them a second rounder, um, they'll make that trade, I'm sure. Um and uh, they will have to go out and probably uh, – well, they wouldn't go out and have, probably have to get another defensive end. They're going to have to go out and get another defensive end. Maybe it's Burns from uh, Carolina who's been some uh, some uh, talk about, some rumors about. You know, I can see them doing that, letting Reddick go and bringing Burns in here. I don't know how much you know he's asking for or what his contract is. I have to dig into that a little bit as we get uh, further into the offseason. But that's a possibility. So we'll see, you know, uh, the Eagles might, if they, if they are offered some pretty good compensation, it allows them to be able to move up and be flexible in the draft, or at least be able to draft a little bit higher with another high pick, you know, the Eagles will, will try to retool the defense that way. They got a lot to do. There's a lot of uh, issues with this team, especially defensively. Like I wouldn't draft anyone. I said this weeks ago on a podcast that I want to draft anyone on offense, maybe an offensive lineman, you know, other than that, wouldn't touch the offense. Unless, you know, a late round running back as well. Probably wouldn't hurt. 
But other than that, you know, a wide receiver, if there's a guy that's there late in the draft, that's uh, that was kind of that fell a little bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put a lot of stock in, in getting a, uh, you know, high high value pick there, like a second, third, fourth rounder wide receiver. I'd wait to fifth or later. Same with running back. Uh, but offensive line, you know, if there's somebody there that's uh, in the early rounds, go ahead and grab them. Uh, but all defense, other than that, all defense. I need, we need safeties, we need corners, we need defensive, we need everything. Certainly need linebackers. We need every every position, every single position of defense we need to draft. So I, I hope it's a heavy defensive draft for the Eagles. We also need a backup quarterback. I mean, I like who we have. I don't like Mariota. I hope they ship him off, but I don't know. I think he's got a two-year deal, right? So probably be back. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see as we go forward here in the offseason what the Eagles do. We'll keep an eye on the Hassan Riddick situation, see if there's any further developments there. Um, Fletcher Cox has been leaning towards retirement, we're hearing, which is kind of interesting. I think that he'd be doing that, but – um, he also, there's rumors that he may go play for another team. I can see that. Like, I, I really kind of see, unless he is gives the Eagles another discount, which I don't know if he's willing to do. I mean, if, if I think it depends on what Fletcher sees this Eagles team do. If he thinks they're competitive next year, he's got a chance to win another championship, Fletcher may give him the home gun discount. If he doesn't have that confidence, I think Fletcher will leave. And he'll sign on with a uh, contender, maybe the Chiefs. Andy Reid knows him, I, I believe. Was he here with Andy? Did Andy Reid draft Fletcher? Can't remember if he did or not. I don't remember. I know he drafted Kelsey. I'm not sure if he drafted Fletcher. He may have. Um, either way, I'm sure he's got a lot of respect for for Andy Reid. Um, so, could you see him go to the Chiefs, especially if they lose Chris Jones? So think about that. Chris Jones leaves. And they're able to, to bring in Fletcher Cox. Don't think that can't happen. Um, Kelsey, we're still waiting here. I, I'm almost positive that he's going to retire. I just, it's just a gut feeling. I, I'd be surprised if he comes back. I don't think he wants to retire, but I think when he really sits down and thinks about it, it's two kids, or it's three kids. He's got three daughters. Um, he's got his, uh, you know, lucrative career in the media that he's already successful in and he's going to have more opportunities. And the fact that his body's just going to be, it's already telling him to, to hang it up. I mean, his, his body takes a beating every year. And I think he's going to ultimately come to the, the conclusion that he is going to hang him up. That's what I feel. I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see another year, Kelsey. We all love him in Philadelphia, but I just, I'm just reading the tea leaves and I just think that he is going to uh, retire, but we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to be right. It's one of those predictions that uh, I don't want to be right that I make. Um, so, again, we talked about the uh, YouTube, so I'm excited about that. Hopefully you guys uh, transition with me over there. And, again, it's not, I'm not leaving any of the podcast platforms that you currently are listening to this program on now. Uh, it will still be available there. But um, if you uh, join me on YouTube, that's kind of where the future of this, um, this show and podcast is going in that direction. Remember, you can email us at um, petwgp at gmail.com. Again, that's petwgp at gmail.com. You can let me know your comments, uh, feedback now 
about any of this, about the Eagles, about the YouTube, about whatever you want to talk about. Just say hello. All that kind of fun stuff. I'd uh, love to hear from you, as always. And uh, let's see. I think if there's anything else uh, that I wanted to get out there, that might be it. I'd be interested in your thoughts, though. What do you guys think of the Super Bowl? What do you guys think of Andy Reid? And let me ask you this. How far away are the Eagles to the Chiefs? The Eagles beat the Chiefs this year. Let's not forget that. Right? So, but that was a different Eagles team. <laughs> we, as we know, there's no way they were beating the Chiefs at the end of the season. But they did beat the Chiefs this year. So how far away are they from being a contender? That's the question as my phone is, of course, going off. Gotta love that. Um, so, yeah, lots to talk about. I'm going to be here on Phil Love Eagles Talk with Jeff throughout the off season, as always. Appreciate you tuning in. Thank you very much. Love to have you here. Appreciate your passion for the birds, much like I have. Appreciate your passion and listenership to this program and this podcast. You are a huge part of it, and I thank you very much as always. With that said, keep listening. Keep the faith. The Eagles will fly high again, and we'll be back to talk about it, of course. So stick with us. We'll be back soon. Till then, fly Eagles fly. Take care.